Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Good day, dear people. As always, it's just wonderful to have you on this episode. And today's episode will be about a song that I'm sure that you have heard before, sung by Hosier. Have you ever listened to a song and then like wondered, what is this song about? The words are so catchy and the words are not common words that's often used in songs. What's the point that this guy's trying to say here? And that's especially with songs that seem to sound controversial or it's got swear words in or, you know, it's just got a, it's, it's got a sick beat with words that just fit in right with it. Now, today I've got a song like that and it's called Take Me to Church and it's sung by Hosier. Now, Hosier is a professional musician whose name is Andrew John Hosier Byron. He's an Irish musician and this song put him on the map. Now I'm quickly going to go over some of the lyrics of this song because um, I thought about singing it but uh, it, you know it just won't work. You don't want to hear me singing over this micro microphone. And then after that, I'm going to just look at what the song actually means. According to pop song professor, he's actually quite cool. He can really uh, interpret lyrics. And you, you know what? The point that it comes down to for in case you are wondering if you're going to continue listening or not, is that Hosier is really saying that he chooses sex over church. He would rather have sex. That That's his worship. His worship is sex with this partner in his life over um, worshiping in a in a church with all these rules, etc., etc. So he gives, and he also gives reasons why this, you know, church really sucks, and it's much more a godly experience to to have sex with his partner. Any case, so you've you've heard this so far that this is an age restricted uh, sort of podcast, so not for sensitive listeners. Um, I'll, I will unfortunately have to use the word uh, just now and then so it's not for sensitive listeners but um, it will have a good outcome and I think there's some important things that's going to be discussed um, in this show so let me just go over some of the lyrics here of the song uh, take me to church okay starts off the song by saying my lover's got humor so he's talking about a girl she's the giggle at a funeral knows everybody's disapproval I should have worshipped her sooner. If the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak. A fresh poison each week. We were born sick. You heard them say it. My church offers no absolutes. She tells me, worship in the bedroom. Uh, they only hear my lover's got humor. She's the giggle at a funeral, etc. Then it copies that again. Then later on he says, amen, amen, amen. Take me to church. I'll worship like a dog at the shrine of your lies. I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. Um, offer me that deathless death. Good God, let me give you my life. And the song goes on. But this is basically the gist. And there's some lyrics that I, that I haven't included here. But you'll hear about it in, in, in the meanings. But please go and listen to it. Um, what is going on here? He uses the word church. Uh, he talks about a lover. He talks about sharpening your knife. He talks about worshipping like a dog. Um, there's obviously a play of words in here. Um, and does this have anything to do with God and fishing for men? So what is the song mean listen to what the pop song professor says he says the song comes in two parts firstly it's an adoration of Hosea's female lover and secondly it's an indictment of the church and so he's he's, he's pointing how amazing pointing out how amazing his lover is this this woman in his life and he's pointing out how how, how bad the church is and so he begins the song 
um, singing about his imaginary girlfriend who giggles at a funeral and who knows everybody's disapproval. He regrets not having worshipped her sooner. He's strongly attracted to her, whoever she is. In the next stanza, he claims that if the heavens ever did speak, she's the lost true mouthpiece. He believes that if God exists, he would speak through this woman. And compared to her, he believes church to be a bleak place that spits out poison at those who attend, telling them that they were born sick in sin. This girl is more desirable than church, and he thinks a better way to understand the meaning of life. Okay, do you get that? So in Ozir's mind, um, this girl in his life and sexual intimacy with her is a is a better way to understand the meaning of life than actually doing the church thing. In the next stanza, he sings that his girlfriend invites him to worship in the bedroom and th that he's sent to heaven when he's with her. The main point of the song is that Ozir feels closer to God or the good life or right living in the act of love in sex, not when he adheres to established religion. The chorus is an explicit and sarcastic attack on legalistic churches or any churches that follow as guides which cause congregants to feel shame. He says, take me to church, I'll worship like a dog at the shrine of your lies, I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. He claims that the church demeans uh, the people that attend and attacks them for the things they do when those things go against the church's doctrine. And so people who go to church, they are like dogs sitting in there and that, yeah. And then he, he enforces, he reinforces his opinion that sex, and by the way, heterosexual or homosexual, um, that sex is an act of love far better than being um, committed to a religion. He claims to be a pagan of the good times who worships his lover, who is the sunlight but in keeping with the pagan imagery, this goddess demands a sacrifice. And that is the act of sex, which Hosea refers to with Inyondos ref referencing something shining, uh, draining the whole sea and something meaty for the main course. Now, near the end of the song, he resummarizes his thesis and he says, In the madness and soil of that sad earthly scene, only then I'm human, only then I'm clean. What the church considers an earthly scene is intercourse not within a heterosexual marriage. Hosea finds to be one way to ultimate satisfaction in life, something to be pursued, and he claims it to be innocent. To end the song, he compares the love he has just described to his view of the church, repeating the chorus twice, emphasizing the stark contrast he sees there. All right. His ultimate question seems to be this. How could anyone choose a rule-making church over the experience of love in sex, no matter what the form. And maybe there's three types of people that's listening to this. The churchgoer that is shocked out of your mind. How could somebody say blasphemous stuff like that? And somebody else that says, oh my goodness, this guy is eventually speaking the truth. Uh, sexuality with your partner is far better than church. Why do people even waste their time with church? If you want to, to, to know about the satisfaction of life and you understand the meaning and the purpose of life, it's all revealed in, in sex. And then maybe there's the person in the middle ground that says, you know what, this guy might have a point. Maybe, um, yeah, sex is great. Um, but but there's there's some truth in, in, in church as well. Maybe we need, to, we need to take a middle ground. Or, or maybe there's a fourth type of person that says, man, this is just a ridiculous argument. How could we even compare sexuality with church? Anyways, I'm just going to use this this um, this song as, as a platform to just 
make two statements and and say a few things about sex and also about the church that I think is important to think about because there's a lot of people out there that are really critical of Christianity and the church and and that feel the church is like um, really cruel for standing up for certain beliefs um, which they actually only get in the Bible and sometimes that is a bit unfair and sometimes churches they are very unfair with regards to what people do and they don't approach people in love and things like that so I think there's a whole load of things that can be said here because in the the opposite side on the non-church side you also have people that think uh, that they can find satisfaction and meaning through uh, things that haven't been designed to be seen that way any case so here from from my side um, I agree sexuality is better than churchianity and that might sound shocking okay sexuality is better than churchianity but just listen carefully to the words that i've chosen there first of all let's talk about sex for a moment sex is great it is our primary drive or one of our primary drives it's intense it's emotional it's hormonal when you fall in love with somebody your glands secrete the hormones oxytocin and vasopressin that rushes through your veins and just puts this desire in you to want to procreate and there's pheromones in the air i mean it's just a wonderful mating experience it's phenomenal it it was created like that by god and so that's the one side of the matter and then the other side of the matter you've got churchianity churchianity is a mess and let me just say this, there's a difference between Christianity and churchianity. Churchianity refers to churches that are made man-made, okay? And they're always sort of angry, hating everybody, involved with fights and quarrels. Um, they are really actually dead churches. And so go sit in a dead church to learn about rules or have sex with your girlfriend. That's what Ozir is saying here. Uh, well, I understand what he's saying, right? It makes in a way sense. Why waste your time on a man-made movement like an angry church? Why give up this amazing sexual experience because a church tells you to do so? Why go sit in a building that smells like a library every Sunday to please God instead of having sex with the person that you love? Now there's, there's some grave misunderstandings here, but let's continue. There's a little bit of a big problem. It's a big mistake. First of all, to make sex your God or to make the person that you've fallen in love with your God. It's not a good and clever idea that having sex gives your life meaning or gives you ultimate satisfaction. Sex is not the answer to the purpose of life. It is a part of life. It's a part of our human existence. It's a part of, of our procreation and, and of a bonding experience between a husband and a wife. But it's not the ultimate purpose of of life let's talk about that for a moment first of all sex is limited sex is limited it is just the physical and sometimes if it is in the the confines of a deep loving relationship it is an emotional experience it's also temporary satisfaction sex satisfies for a moment but then releases you back into the world and into the reality so sex is not an eternal thing it doesn't satisfy you for the rest of your life. It satisfies you for a few moments. So you cannot attach life meaning and life satisfaction to that. Sex doesn't help you when you lose your job. 
or when your dad dies or when you get cancer sex cannot satisfy every part of your being and contrary to what many people believe we are more than just physical beings we exist out of flesh it's true we've got bodies but we exist out of heart too and mind and soul we've got emotions we've got physical bodies we are also spiritual beings so if we want to talk about the purpose of life and life satisfaction, we've got to go beyond the physical. We've got to go beyond the emotional and we've got to tap into the spiritual as well. Only then will you find a complete solution for the satisfaction of man. So, so, so sex just serves us in basically one or two areas of our being. So it fulfills a part of our being. We also they need to be careful. We need to be careful to criticize people or churches who put rules on sex. Be careful to criticize them because if sex is a God, then that God is most of the time someone like the devil. Then if, if sex was a God, it, 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 in most ways in our world, he would be an evil God. You know why? Because sex has done far more damage in our world than has religion or than has um, legalistic churches or even the wars that have taken place on our planet. Think of all the STDs, the sexually transmitted disease that, that spread through our world currently. Africa is being murdered at this moment by HIV AIDS. I don't even know how many people are. It's just, it's just millions of people in Africa. And the, the cause of that is just sexual, uh, well, most of the time is sexual promiscuity. That's how the disease spreads most commonly. The culprit? Sex. Think of all the fatherless children in our world. Think about all the abortions in our world. Think about all the affairs and all the divorces and all the kids that grow up in broken homes. Most of those struggles, the biggest struggles the human race has. If you go back, you go back to the root, to the root cause, you're going to find it was sex. That was the problem. That's where the problem happened. I spoke to the, a guy staying next door to us um, the other day and asked him, okay, so so um, how's things going in your life? Do you have kids? He said, yes, yeah, he's got kids. Said, How many do you have? He said, oh, I've got 11 kids. And I see him every day here. He hardly ever visits those kids. He's probably not even in contact with those kids. Those kids, that, that means that there are 11 kids just in, in, in our country of one man, 11 kids that are growing up without a father. And we need our fathers. So let me just clarify this. I've been over and over saying that the culprit is sex. But in actual fact, sex is not really the problem unguided and uncontrolled and unregulated sex that is the problem at the bottom of all the world's problems lie loose sex and on top of that we've got to be very careful of worshiping our sex partners and that's what the song seems to be indicating that person will one day turn to dust that person will not bring you the type of eternal existence that the God of the universe can. And be very careful of making someone your sex partner if that person has not made a lifelong commitment to you because you will get hurt. That person will someday be someone else's sex partner, most probably. So I reckon it's quite a foolish idea of singing, I worship you in the bedroom. Please take note. And this leads us into the next point. I've not said that sex is bad yet. I hope you haven't gotten that yet. I'm just saying that promiscuous sex or, or, or sex that is not controlled within the confines of what God created it for, it creates problems in our world and causes a lot of pain. Let me move into the next point. Churchianity and God is not the same thing. 
It is true that churches are often overly judgmental. And sometimes church people are just rude and they make judgments that doesn't come from hearts of love. We always tend to get angry with churches and Christians. But churches and Christians generally know don't, they don't make up the rules. Sometimes they do. Um, but most of the time they take it from God's word, from the Bible. And they believe that's what God says and requires. And so, so we shouldn't reject God because the church is a mess, firstly. And secondly, we also should not shoot the messenger because we don't like the message. And there might be a little bit of an undertone in here as Hosea is speaking. He doesn't like the fact that the church says, look, marriage is actually uh, the place designed for sex. He doesn't like that necessarily. Many of us tend to grow up with the idea that sex and God are in opposite rooms. Ladies and gentlemen, God made sex. No wonder we, we like it. No wonder it's so deep and intense that people who don't know God can experience its divine pleasure. No wonder people like Hosea say, say, well, oh my goodness, this is like an act of worship. Well, if you really like sex, you know what you got to do? you got to go thank God for it because he made it. You didn't make it yourself. God gave you the tools, bro. So don't reject God and yet use what he has blessed you with. God is not against pleasure. He's for it. But it has to be regulated. And he made it so intense so that we can experience that intensity in the creation of a human being. Okay? It is so intense that if it's not controlled, it will lead to havoc. It's like a space rocket without a steering wheel. Sigmund Freud, the father of psychology, said, If there were no rules in this world, everybody would just be running around being aggressive and having sex. And can you imagine what that would lead to? If there were no regulation on these things. I mean, our world would be in a mess. What are these regulations then that God speaks about and which the church tries to project? And this is it. It's summarized in this. Sex is meant for marriage. If you want the best of it, wait for it and use it in marriage. If you don't, you will unfortunately experience a substandard sexuality. And the sad the sad truth is that many people out there who um, have no respect for God's will and who misunderstand these things would say that the best sex is not in marriage, but outside of marriage, it is sleeping around. Yet, go look at the research, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, let give you one example. In 2013, Durex, the condom maker, did a survey in which they discovered the following. 96% of the people who responded said being emotionally connected results in the best sex. 92% said, uh, 92% uh, were turned on by their partner for showing vulnerability. 90% believed it is possible for sex to get better after years of being together. Well, let's just think about those just three examples quickly. What does that tell us? The more emotionally connected you are to someone, the more vulnerable you are, and the longer you stay together, the better the sex is. Emotional connection, vulnerability, and years together is something you find in marriage, ladies and gentlemen. Not by jumping from one person to the other. Research, science, and statistics is confirming that the best way to handle sex and to get the best out of it is in marriage. It's not just a biblical thing. You see, science and, and studies and research is always only catching up to what God has already said for thousands of years. So, it's not just about hormones. It's about deep love. It's about companionship. 
It's about emotions. It's about vulnerability. It's about knowing your partner, sharing life. The best sex in the world is also the safest sex in the world. It is between two people who have committed their hearts and lives to each other. God wants us to experience that, nothing less. And of course, he wants to protect us from the STDs, from accidentally falling pregnant with someone's child that we don't actually like, from killing unborn babies, and the list can go on and on and on. Oh, and, and also, he wants to spare us the emotional damage that takes place when we have sex with someone. And then get dumped because it hurts. So I would like to have a chat with Hosier in 50 years time and see if he still holds the same views regarding sexuality, bringing total satisfaction. If you're 80 years old and it's no longer a part of your uh, routine life, do you start to lose life satisfaction? Then does the meaning of life dissipate because you no longer have that intense sexuality? As for the churches, sometimes we speak the truth, but we need to do it in love. If you're listening to this and you have not been a one-person sex partner deal, you probably know by now the complications that sex brings. You also know about the pain. I want to challenge you to make a decision now to keep your body for the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. If you're listening and you're a virgin, guard your body until you find that worthy person that is willing to commit for life and don't take nothing less because you're going to cut yourself short and you're going to have a substandard experience of sexuality and to all listening god made us sexual beings we must enjoy it it is one of the gifts that god has given us and if you are married enjoy your partner and by the way that is scriptural i i, I really don't want to i thought about it but i don't want to quote you all the scriptures that we find uh, in the bible that talks about sexuality because some of us would would just roll over and die out of embarrassment um, because they they often don't get preached from uh, from the pulpits but let us enjoy the things that God has made within the parameters the safe parameters of the partners that we have chosen to spend the rest of our lives with and there we will find the best of it